welcome to the Culture of Truth. This is a podcast that reviews the truth of God's word and discusses the influence it has on our lives and worldview. My name is Will Hawkins, and alongside me are my good friends Jeff Amstutz. Hey, hey. And Rob Greer. How are we doing, y'all? Last episode, we discussed chapter three, the canon of scripture from Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. While the discussion was brief, it set the stage for the next few episodes. Go ahead and give that a listen if you haven't already. Today, we further the discussion by moving into chapter four, the authority of scripture. I imagine most of us come to this topic already thinking, yeah, scripture is authoritative. I do know that. This is something that a lot of us accept at the surface. What we're hoping to do with this discussion is highlight some of the evidences to support this statement. God is authoritative. Scripture is the word of God. Therefore, scripture is authoritative. Our goal is to leave encouraged and rooted in truth with the appropriate response to why we believe this doctrine to be true and how it should impact our lives. Rob, Jeff, are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Let's go, baby. Let's go. All right. Well, let's warm up and then we'll dive into the doctrine summary and discussion. How have you experienced God's truth this week? You guys know I've been in the process of buying a house and I know that I shared that last time, but this time in particular, this, this week I've experienced just God's provision or you can say faithfulness in providing things for us. And so I was you know, on the phone with my real estate agent, just trying to figure out what was going on with the appraisal on the home and come to find out the appraisal has been late, which can ultimately push back your closing date on the house. But also there's this side of it where the lender and the company that he works for, they don't work on the weekends, but because the appraisal has been kind of pushed back and it's been late, you know, we've been experiencing just like communication there but we found out today that the appraiser is going to appraise a home tomorrow and over the weekend the lending company is going to file our documents so that we can sign them on monday so just seeing god work through the details even though we don't necessarily understand what's going on or have any control over that it's just been really cool to see god's faithfulness and Mm -hmm. and his provision through the entire home buying process so pretty pumped about that yeah, man. Yeah. For me, so we record these on Thursday nights, at least tonight's Thursday night. And I have several LTGs, which means life transformation group, which is just a fancy way of saying I have a one-on-one conversation with another guy in the faith where we confess sin and pray for each other based on what's going on in our lives. And my Thursday night LTG, there's just been really cool stuff that God's been doing in his life and therefore God's doing in my life by like getting to walk with him through that. He leads a, a group of students and has just been telling all kinds of cool stories about how the Holy Spirit is, that was revealing the truth of God to these middle school students. And it just, to me, really brings Hebrews 4.12 alive, which Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's living and active, and it's doing this all the time. And just, I'm fresh off a conversation minutes before we decided to sit down and and start this podcast for, for today of just, man, God's word is living and active. And I get to watch it be true in my life, in my friends' lives, 
my discipleship relationships, their discipleship relationships, that God's up to all kinds of stuff. And man, what a cool privilege it is to, to be a part of it at all. That's awesome. Yeah, I like to think that we may not always see God doing something in the moment, right, with that one thing or two things that we're trying to pray for, but behind the scenes, he's doing a thousand different things to align what he wants for us, Heck the yeah, will. Man. So with what, what y'all both said, that just makes me think of that. that God has has all these things that he's doing behind the scenes for you guys. Yeah. That's yes, awesome. Sir. My truth that I've experienced this week would be God's grace. Uh, so have you guys heard the song As You Find Me by Hillsong? Oh, I play <laughs> that song with Jimmy all the time yeah. in the band. It's a great Man, song. That song, to kind of quote it, that just wrecks me. That song, it, uh, it's been on my heart. Oh, I've actually never heard it. Oh man. We're listening to it after this. That's right. It's good. Jam session. My Worship wife will session. tell you, I've had that song on repeat for probably a week, two weeks straight. Every day I wake up, go to sleep, etc. So what that's just speak has spoken to me is that I don't deserve God's love, but yet he still finds me, still reveals himself to me and he still loves me. And so I wanted to read some of the some of the lyrics to to kind of drive that home. It says, I was found before I was lost. I was yours before I was not. You wear the scars for all my mistakes, and that part just wrecks me. And I know I don't deserve this kind of love, but somehow this kind of love is who you are. It's a grace that I can never add up to be somebody that you still want. But somehow you love me as you find me. Mm. Huh. Dang. Man, that's just those verses and that, that chorus. It's, it's such a good reminder uh, that God has more grace to give than we have sin. Yeah. You, you would also love the song Another in the Fire off that same album. It's so good. I've probably heard it because I've probably run have. through that album also. I mean, this is a brand new album. No. Nah. It's been oh, out okay. for a couple of years, but yeah, yeah that's. I mean, sorry guys. Most. I don't. I like Hillsong. I, I most of my worship songs aren't Hillsong, so forgive me out there for you Hillsong lovers. Yeah, it's all good. There's uh, grace for you too, Rob. That's hilarious, Rob. Why don't you hit us with that summary? You got it. So the definition of the the, the authority of Scripture, straight from systematic theology in particular, is the authority of Scripture means that all the words in Scripture are God's word in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God himself. So we know that scripture is God's word for the following reasons. Number one, the Bible claims it's for itself. Number two, we are personally convinced of this by the Holy Spirit when we read scripture or inspired by the Holy Spirit. Number three is the Bible is self-attesting. And self-attesting just means that the words of scripture cannot be proved to be God's word by appeal to another higher authority other than scripture mm. or God's word itself. So this doctrine ultimately is about God's authority, right? So as he is the author of everything, so all authority is his alone. And so the biggest takeaway for this, guys, is just this. God's word is what settles our understanding of everything, especially when we disagree. Absolutely. Yeah, scripture is that measurement, like you said. Something cool, so something cool that I learned this week is that the original Greek word for canon is kanon, which is a word used 
for a measuring reed. That reed is used to measure things like the depth of a river, the length of a table, height of a wall, etc. So scripture is that for us. It is that measurement. So how might someone challenge this doctrine of the word of God and its authority of scripture? Yeah, I was thinking about this question uh, because we like to think about all of the positive defenses of mm-hmm. a doctrine, but really what we encounter on a day-to-day basis, both in ourselves uh, and dealing with other people, is how do people challenge doctrine? And to me, the big, the biggest thing that comes to mind first is a big word called epistemology, which is just the nature of knowledge. And the, the two that come into conflict uh, in modern society when we read scripture is the Bible is very much an epistemology of divine revelation. So God, he's the one who permits you to know anything, period. And yet our modern post-enlightenment society is an epistemology of discovery that human beings go and figure out stuff. Mm-hmm. And so one big way you challenge the authority of scripture is someone's like, well, how do you know? That it's authoritative. Well, that's a faith statement. Just like saying that it's God's word is a faith statement. You can't get out of it. You are either claiming for yourself the authority to claim that scripture is authoritative or not, or you say scripture is what's claiming, and, and ultimately God is the one who's claiming that scripture is authoritative. And that nature of knowledge, discovery versus revelation, uh, the Bible tells us that God's the one who's going to reveal that truth to people. Yes, we should go through the reasons and it logically makes sense. And if you sit down and read the book from start to finish, you'll, you'll see, you can see that logical consistency, but whether you choose to adopt that into your own mind as your belief or not, it's not a question of discovery. It's a question of, did God reveal his personal self to you in it? And so that comes up a lot with authority. You know, I don't have to come under its authority if I can just claim it isn't authoritative. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, We kind of hinted towards this in our previous episode, but I had mentioned how Adam chose for himself to believe what he thought was right in terms of what God commanded him to already do, which was not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But in Adam's mind, it was like, no, I'm going to do this because I believe this is right. This is better for me. And so I just think kind of going off of what you were saying there, we can think in our own minds and in our own hearts based off of what feels good, that that is what is authoritative or that is what is true. And that is or could be a argument against this doctrine is that my discovery or my belief in something or the way I feel about that is true. Clearly, this doctrine combats that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that we see that. We've seen that throughout history, right? You're literally quoting something from the beginning of scripture, but we even see that Obviously, now in just the cultural context, uh, the society that we live in today, it is primarily driven by emotions and experiences. And so that for a majority of people today is their their source of truth. I'm going to cut in here and say there's some sympathy we can have, though, towards history, that there's a whole lot of time that human beings have always been that way. You know, people have always felt something else. And therefore followed it that I'm thinking of Jeremiah 179 that we addressed in a previous episode, um, that the heart is deceitful above all else. And it is desperately sick. Who can know it, man, that's thousands of years ago that someone's like, Hey, what you mm-hmm. feel is not trustworthy. Exactly. 
So it can be heard sometimes when we say people are dominated by feelings nowadays. Or yes, and that's not new. And we don't say that. Uh, we don't say that people are driven by their feelings because it's like somehow, well, we don't know what to do with that. You know, scripture tells us very directly what to do with that. But of course, there's new ways it shows up in modern society that's different from back then. But the core problem is the same. Yeah. And the core problem is still that it's choosing to rely on our own selves and we're looking for authority from within versus from above. Right. That's the sin Adam and Eve started with. Like, ah, did God really say? Yeah. That doubt comes in. That I shouldn't eat this fruit? That he's, is he really holding back on me with some kind of power he doesn't want me to have? Hmm. I doubt that. Oop. That's sin. That's how it all started. Desire and then deception. Yeah. Hmm. There's even a passage in James that talks about this directly, uh, starting in James 1, 13. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Here's the key. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when fully grown, brings forth death. Yes. In this way, since the fall of man we see in genesis all the way to now same problem absolutely yeah they have that desire it leads to some kind of deception within that leads to disobedience and then as that scripture says ultimately leads to death so so bringing it back then to the authority of scripture uh, when we take the the position that this is god's words you can't uh I forget who was uh, teaching uh, in the Austin Stone Development Program this past week, but it was phrased so elegantly. You can't say to your parent uh, when they say, clean your room, and then you don't. You can't (laughs) say, I wasn't disobeying you. I was just disobeying your words. They're not separate. They're the synonymous things. Yeah, they are not separate. (laughs) Like, if you disobey my words, you are disobeying me. So when we look at authority of scripture it's like we said earlier it's rooted in the authority of god himself yes so you can't say well i believe god i believe in god i believe Mm -hmm. what god wants me to believe but i don't believe what he says you can't those are inseparable things yeah and if they are saying that then what what is the truth that they're believing about god I mean, yeah. it's obviously a lie. It's not true. But what is their truth that they're believing? Yeah. And that's a really interesting idea that comes up in being pastoral. Um, you know, being pastoral is not something that is only left to people who hold the position of pastor in a church. Uh, that's what we're all called to exhort each other in truth daily. I'm thinking of Hebrews telling us repeatedly to do that in community. It's what we're doing right now. And it's so important when someone says something that doesn't make sense, like, I believe in God, but I don't believe what God says Hmm. to push into, well, what do you believe? Say it out loud. And then we can go from there. When we make assumptions about each other, that's where it gets real, real bad because we we can let people be deceived. Uh, We can assume people know Jesus that don't. Uh, And if, if, if you have a believer who you're talking with and says something, you're like, Hey, tell me what you mean. Oh man. Whoops, I said it wrong. Could be the next sentence they said, but you have to ask them questions. Don't project on them like, oh, you're a heretic. Like, yeah. well, no, I just misspoke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
You're exactly right, Jeff. I mean, when we look at the life of Jesus, what was he always doing with people, especially the Pharisees, asking questions, right? And even though he already knew that they were wrong, mm-hmm. yeah. he still was like, well, have you not read? Yeah. Have you not, yeah. have you not seen this? Right? Like he was also referring to Old Testament scriptures as well, but Jesus is always asking questions. And I think when it comes to being pastoral, you have to ask questions, even if you know the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the reason being, I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons, but I think one of the main reasons is to, to really bring out what they're truly believing, to bring out what their heart, where their heart truly is. You're helping to flesh that out. Yeah. Like when someone says they doubt, they doubt the authority of all of scripture could be that we could also be talking about uh, a disbelief in only some of scripture not being authoritative. Uh, we're talking about all of it. Uh, and and when it's authoritative, it doesn't mean it's written to you directly uh, all the time. Uh, like there's plenty of things that Jesus like fulfills uh, the sacrificial system, the purpose of it. And so when, when God's speaking to his, his nation in Israel about what the Levitical priesthood is supposed to do, it's not directed toward us. We say it's, uh, authoritative that that is what is necessary without Christ to satisfy the wrath of God. But thank goodness we have Christ. Thank God we have Christ. But the, the, if you start doubting a part of scripture, mm. that's also just as much as a problem of doubting all of it. Now it's a different type of problem, but mm. all, this is all of God's word. Yeah. You should believe all of him. Absolutely. Amen. Uh, another argument that people will have is that it's circular, that the belief that scripture is authoritative and us trying to prove that or at least defend it is a circular argument. How would you respond to that? Well, it is. <laughs> that is true. It, it's, it's actually not wrong. Yeah. Lean the, into the, it. The, it the, is. The funny thing is, is that everyone's perspective is ultimately circular because the, cir- okay. When we say circular argument, we're saying an argument that depends on itself to be true. So we say God's word is true because God is true because God's word says it's true. It just goes in a circle. Mm. Well, if you say God's word is not true, it's because you say that it's not true. And you say it's not true because you don't want God's word to be true. It, it's, it's you're circular with yourself or with God, it, which means both positions, the believer and the non-believer, have to have equal amounts of faith mm. that that authority is the correct authority in their life. What a thought. It's mm. not like I like it or not. That's actually a separate conversation. But to say that this truth is not true means that you're claiming knowledge, which almost all the time when we encounter it is not because you actually have knowledge. It's <laughs> because you don't like the knowledge that's been presented to you. And that's just a very different problem. Yeah. You're in that moment, you're stating yourself, you're placing yourself as that higher authority, able to dictate what is true and what is authoritative. And if you read uh, Romans one, Paul calls it. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Their hearts were darkened. They turned away from the creator to instead worship created things. Some people actually would worship like different animals and, and worship planets and stuff. Other people worship humans. They're the most important thing in the world. And then still mo- others will think the only human worth worshiping is me. There's like a, a worship of the self kind of rooted in all of those because it's all yeah. claiming authority apart from God. But all of it is actually worshiping created things, including humans. You can't not worship something. Either yourself or someone else. Yeah. 
or something. Right. So, yeah, I have nothing else to add to that because, as always, Jeff, you do a great job of explaining <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. The the one thing I would add just to, to further that is that if something other than the Word of God could prove that the Bible is the Word of God, then that thing would be more authoritative, and that would mean that God isn't the ultimate authority. Yeah. So... That's right. Um, well, and then that makes me think of Hebrews 6, 13 through 20, where God God has no one greater to swear by, so he swears by himself. There's a little general revelation here with parents when their little two-year-old is like, I don't want to go to bed. And then mom or dad says, you have to go to bed. And the two-year-old says, why? The parent just says, because I said so. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with that. And so, <laughs> so, so, but the, the point is, is like, I don't need a higher authority to grant me your father or mother, the authority that you two-year-old need to get in that bed. Mm. Like there is, there, there is a higher authority in God, but that's not the, that's not helpful in the conversation with a two-year-old about going to bed. Um, yeah. the, the, the illustration is that you don't, God doesn't go appeal to a higher authority for the mm. things that he created. He's mm-hmm. like, all of this is mine. I made to worship me. And there's no other being apart from me. I got, um, it, you should trust me because I say so. Yeah. Yeah. It's in his character that that goodness and that care and that love is in his character. It's not in his character to do, to do something harmful to us or evil to us. Mm, yeah. There's a passage in John Piper's book, uh, Providence. Lovely 600 page book. That Check like, it out. It's, it's great. Light, it's light really read. long. Shout I'm out only, to JP. That's right. There, there is a passage. Uh, in, there's a, a couple lines, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here because this is just come to, came to mind just now. But he says it is more loving for God to reveal Himself as the ultimate authority in your life, and that He made you and He is sovereign over you, than for Him to leave that up to you to figure out. Oh my gosh, that it, sounds terrifying. For the the most the most <laughs> in, in like loving the thing way. God yeah. can do is to break into your life and say. I own everything, including you. Yeah, and I and I think that's what people have a problem with. They don't. Well, of course, they don't want to hand over that authority. But so, so yeah, that that's that's it goes even back to epistemology. Who reveals to you that that's better for you? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Mm. No one, no one else can ultimately convince you that that is true. Absolutely. And as you say that, I was thinking of this verse in John chapter six, verse forty-four. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, I believe here. And what he says is no one can come to me. He's talking about himself. No one can come to me unless who the father who sent me draws him. That verse is literally saying that God is the one who does the work to reveal himself to you. And I know that that is from Jesus, but Jesus is also the same God who is in the beginning. So go back and read John chapter one and and see that that is the the correlation between John chapter one and Genesis one. But that verse is Jesus further exemplifying God's revealing himself to us. It will get to the doctrine of the Trinity about all that, but it's a little foreshadowing. Yes. But yes. You get a little taste of it now. (laughs) Well, and that that's, that's funny or that's, that's interesting that you bring that up because when you think of all the other doctrines that, that are out there that people discuss, that we read about, that we're literally doing a podcast about right now, what does this doctrine say and how does it relate to those other doctrines? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, f- I feel like it's this nice, huge, concrete foundation that everything else builds from. Because if you consider the authority... for So doctrines, all we're saying with doctrine is that we read scripture and we agree that this is what we observe. And so the first thing we observe is that God's words are what are the final authority on everything. If you walk away from that, there's no other doctrine you can really come to true agreement on because we're no longer saying God is the one who's in his word telling us about himself, about the church, about Christ, about our sin, all these things that we'll go through. All those doctrines hang on God's the one who defines them and not us. All the rest of the episodes we could possibly do will just get, well, they'll just wash away because mm. they'll be built on sand of, oh, I like this. That's nice. Yeah. It's, it's not authoritative. Jeff is not an authority on who God is. Yeah. And that's why, that's why we, we try to as, as much as possible and as often as possible use scripture to back up everything we're saying and throughout this conversation. Just, yeah, to some degree, I'm chuckling because it's like, well, if you go read Grudem, we got a lot of references to get through if we actually want to use everything. But oh, <laughs> I, And like I said, I said Plenty. as often as possible. As possible, the as possible As key. possible. <laughs> no, that's yeah, good stuff, Will. Rob, you, obviously, you're, you're about to get a house, right? Or, I mean, you have it. You're just going through the process. Part of that is the inspection, right? Yes, sir. So what what happens? What do you do if you find a crack in the wall? If you find cracks in the wall, what do you do? Well, you you report that. Do you do you fix the crack? I fix a crack if I know I can fix it. Most of the time, Rob, because this is a oh wait, never mind. What do you think? What do you think, Jeff? Well, I this house we're in right now is a part of the building process. So when we found a problem, we said, "Hey, builder, go fix it," which is different than "Hey, seller, go fix it." But also, it could be the same thing. True, true. I mean, I'm for those of you listening, obviously you know I'm buying a house, but when you're in that process, there's things that either the seller would pay for or that you have to pay for. And in this case, if if there's a legitimate crack in the wall and it's got, you know, mold in there or something, that's probably gonna be something I'm gonna ask yeah, the abso- seller to pay for. Absolutely. So the question, do we patch up that crack? No. We fix, we fix the foundation, right? So if we're talking about all these other doctrines and we have a crack in our belief of these other doctrines, what do we go to? We got to go back and look at that foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it also gives us a confidence in when we declare the truth of Scripture, it takes the, the weight off of us because it's not us that convinces anyone listening to this podcast yeah. that these things are true. Love that. It's the Holy Spirit that does. Sure, we can, we can say all the same words that Scripture says, uh, maybe even tell them to you in a convincing way. But if, God, if God's Spirit does not show up and say, you who are listening, this is true, your, your natural sinful self will resist it at all costs to want to say, I can't believe what these guys are talking about. And so for you out there who find yourself in that position, God also in his word says that you should pray that he reveal himself to you, that he, he wants to respond to those that earnestly seek him. And so if God has not said, Hey, these things are true in your life. The call is simple. Pray to God desperately to have him reveal himself to you. It's not us that can do that. Absolutely. I love that. 
man. So this doctrine is, is challenging me to do. And what it's reaffirming in me is that there, there is no, I know what scripture says, but like there, there's nothing that follows that statement. It's, it's either I believe in scripture and I believe it to be true and authoritative or I don't, there's no, but so when I'm going and saying, well, deep down, I, Oh, I have, I have this sin. I have this thing that I'm going through, or I have this, I want to do this thing. I know what scripture says, but I, I really just, I really, I think it's okay. Like that's a dangerous place to be in. And so this is a reminder for me that I, I can't do that, you know? Yeah. And I think for me, it's just remembering that God's word is authoritative. And so whenever I'm reading it or I'm being reminded of it throughout the day or some verse comes to mind, I have to remember that I'm either going to die to myself and follow Jesus, or I'm going to give into my flesh and disobey. I mean, as the summary I stated earlier says, the authority of scripture means that all the words in the scripture are God's word in such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God himself. Yeah. And thinking about temptation, when we say as, as Christians, when we say, I've encountered something in life and I think of a verse. It's actually because the core spiritual issue and most things that happen in life are much, much simpler than you want to think they are. Like the question about you and the buying the house process, it's not, you're not going to open the Bible and be like, what color should I paint the kitchen once we move in? God never gave me a color. It's so much more of how are you going to, how is your taking care of a gift and provision to you that you, that your act of, taking care of that property, you worship God with that. How are you going to use it as something to say, God, I want your kingdom to, I want you to be blessed because you gave me this gift of a house. I mean, what a, what a tremendous act of worship that could be. And so if you're looking in the Bible for the trivial stuff, you're going to miss the big stuff. And the big stuff is where it matters. And then the trivial stuff falls into place. It's fine. It's not that God doesn't care. But the, when we talk about a verse comes to mind, it's, is my heart aiming whatever it is at the worship of God? Because his word is authoritative in telling me that's what my whole life is about. Romans 12, starting in verse one, uh, first few verses of Romans 12 is to live your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And you should test what those things are in your life uh, that by the renewing of your mind. And they talk to then Paul goes on to talk about spiritual gifts that all of this stuff is aimed at worshiping God. So those big decisions, the small ones, these scriptures that we're reading are relevant to all of them. Every single one. Amen. Do you want me to answer how I'm going to use one? You should. Uh, yeah, I'd love <laughs> you to hear should. Guys, I was kind of kidding, but I'm going to do it. I, I want to use my house that the Lord has allowed me to have as a place for people to come and feel encouraged and feel loved, to have a nice meal and to be prayed for. And when I say encouragement or to feel loved, they don't, they don't have to feel like they have to come in to come into my house and say, Hey Rob, can I have a bottle of water? It's like, no, you just go to the fridge and you grab yourself a bottle of water or Hey Rob, you know, can I come and work out in your garage gym? Like, you know, the code, just use it and go and work out. And so I want it to be an inviting place where they can feel loved. They feel encouraged and that they, they have a place that they know that they can go and 
and have a friend who can be there for them whenever they're struggling or even when they're doing really well and they just want someone to celebrate with. So my house will be a place where God is worshiped, but also where people are encouraged and have a lot of fun. That makes me, uh, for some reason, that just makes me think about Jesus asleep on the boat during the storm and they're all freaking out. Jesus is like, I'm right here. You know me. I love you guys. Let me deal with this. Mm. And quiet the storm. It's it's like that hospitality is not just because you want people to like you because, oh, Rob lets me use his stuff and I get nice waters out of his fridge. It's because, no, I, I want to serve you. I want to, my savior came to this earth to show what a life of a servant looks like. And you're like, man, my house is a part of that. Amen. That's awesome, man. So for those of you listening, you're invited. <laughs> Party at Rose. Party. Man, Rob, congrats again. I can't I can't wait. I mean, honestly, man, I cannot wait for that. Jeff, as always, thank you for opening up your home and letting us do this. Man, we, we just we had a really good time and we hope that y'all enjoyed that. Uh we hope that all you listeners out there are encouraged and by our conversation today and feel rooted in God's truth. We want to live out John 17, 17, right? Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So next episode, we'll be talking about characteristic of the next characteristic of scripture. And that's clarity until then, please share this with a friend or a loved one. So that way others can be reminded of God's truth today. Uh, as always, thanks again for listening to the culture of truth podcast until next time. We'll see you. We out. Peace. Love you guys.